Hello, this is a test of the audio. Is this the emergency alert system? No, this is the audio. What accent is this that you're doing today? I don't know. Is this like wistful Minnesotan? I don't know. <laughs> okay. You gonna do that for the entire episode? I don't think so. Welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 14 of The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called, I Become a Known Fugitive. This might also be the shortest chapter in the book, and so we're going for a little brief episode today. Yep. I am a lazy catfish relaxing on the bottom of the river also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. And I'm a confused bystander, also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. How are you? You seem confused. I do, don't I? <laughs> I am um, well. Look, we're doing an episode where neither of us are sick. Whoa. <laughs> it's crazy, huh? It's been huh? like two months since that happened. My normal voice is back. I'm not coughing and sniffling all over the place. It's crazy. Huzzah! This is also our pre-holiday episode, I guess between the holidays. Yeah. So we're uh, we're about between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're less than two weeks off from Christmas now. We are exciting. Yep. Ring dingling, ring dingling. Is that? That's part of a Christmas. Okay. <laughs> ring dingling, huh? So, um, this is a really short chapter. It well, is not... a very short chapter. So, um, f- to put this right out front, because this chapter was only five pages long, we yeah. read it. We are prepared for an episode, realized this episode was probably only going to be about 20 minutes long because of how short this chapter is, and we both read chapter 15 and prepared for chapter 15. Yes. However, uh, I'm tired and I don't want to record an hour and a half long episode on two chapters. Yeah. So we're just going to do chapter 14 now, but we have already read chapter 15. can try to get that out next week. Hopefully. We'll see. Uh, so without further ado, would you like to go ahead and do your summary, bullet points? Is that what we do? We do that first. All right. Bullet point summary? Sure. I'll go ahead and do mine first. Percy hit the water and stayed dry. Thank Poseidon. Messenger in the water. Go to Santa Monica. Don't trust the gifts. News agencies are scary quick with security videos. How did they get it? Percy's name and face are on the news again. Back on the train. Cool. Uh, my bullet points are actually very similar because there's just not really a lot to talk about in this chapter. Yep. But mine are as follows. Mine are as follows. Percy has the power of dryness. <laughs> Strange lady in the river handing out swords. <laughs> it's no basis for a system of government at all. What gifts? Nobody listens to children. Hey, look, an accurate chapter title. All right, that's mine. Uh, summary right there. Uh, so as we've already shared several times, really short. So this is immediately after Percy falls out the window at the top of the gateway arch, or jumps, or jumps, uh, escaping the chimera and the 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 other Echidna. lady, the Echidna. Uh and he is falling toward the water, 
and he hits the water and he does not die. Would be a weird, would be really weird if he just died in chapter 14 in book one. Yeah. And we, we'd have to go from there. I mean, given as the previous chapter was, I plunged to my death. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's really weird that he didn't die here. But, uh, he know. does not, yeah, the previous one was not an accurate chapter title. Yeah. <laughs> he does not die. Uh, but he ends up in that, the river. That said, though, um, we do have, I mean, I, I don't want to interrupt and talk about it here or if we're going to talk more in depth later, mm-hmm. but we do have this kind of baptism in imagery here. Yeah, where that. Where Percy enters the water and comes out with this new appreciation for his father and feels, like, blessed by his father and, like, ordained by his father. There's no We doubt. have, like... We have the dove descending into the water and the lady speaking and him coming up out of the water by the McDonald's. Yeah, I did. I did pick up on that. I, I didn't know if I wanted to get into it because this isn't Narnia. But yeah, that is a yeah, that is some imagery. I, 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 I don't know if it was intentional because like, again, this this isn't a religious allegory. Like it's probably borrowed. I don't know if it was like if it's supposed to be like, oh, this is a baptism scene. I mean, but... also we have we're talking about. The water yeah. god, yeah. son. Like, the, he is the son of the god of the seas and water and horses. Yeah. So, like, Kinda yeah, makes it, it makes sense that at some point he would enter the water. Crazy. <laughs> one, Crazy, right? One would hope. <laughs> but we have, this is the first time we've seen him, like, fully submerged in the water. Mm-hmm. Because when he stepped into the water during the capture of the flag game, we had him healing of his wounds and and being claimed by Poseidon in that moment. Yeah. But we don't have him, like, we had him fall into the fountain early in the book when he was shoved by uh, Clarice's previous form. What was, Clarice is the bully at the camp. What yeah. was the Nancy Boboffit? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, when did Clarice get reincarnated? When? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Clarice is the reincarnation of Nancy Boboffit. Oh, wow um lore we're just getting into some deep lore here no we just very specifically <laughs> have percy have female bullies yeah in mm. the book mm. there's a male bully in the next chapter it's a spoiler oh. <laughs> i know there's a male bully in the next chapter and that it is a spoiler anyway continue i so the only times we've seen percy in the water is when he's fallen into the fountain, when he stepped into the river during the, the match, and now here. And he questioned, oh, and he controls the water in the bathroom, but he doesn't, like, enter the water mm-hmm. when with Clarice. So we have this moment where he's, like, going into the water, like, for the first time with the intention of thinking that he might be safe there. Uh-huh. But he also questions, he's like, no, it's just water, it's not the ocean. Yeah. And he questioned that in the previous chapter where he was like, well, I'm not going to be safe in the water. When all of the water he's interacted with to this point that has had some kind of like mythological power Uh has not been the ocean. In fact, the least safe he's been was when he was in the cabin on the shore of the ocean. That's true. So the closest he's been to the ocean has been, like, the least safe he has been in this book thus far. And he questioned at the end of the last chapter whether or not he would be safe in the river. Yeah. Like, hello? All of the positive interactions you've had with water have not been the ocean. Well, he's not one of Athena's kids, so. (laughs) 
yeah, no, nobody, nobody said Percy was smart. In, just... in fact, we have a lot of evidence to the contrary throughout these this book. <laughs> uh, somewhat true. Uh, so he ends up in the bottom of the river and realizes first, oh, hey, he's dry. Yep. He has the mystic power of dryness. He does. Um, down there. Mysteriously dry. Um, how do showers work for him? I know, right? (laughs) Can he? Can he, can he shower? Can he take a bath? Like. It's a great, it's a great question. (laughs) Can he, can he turn the dryness off at will? Like, that's a, like, sometimes I'd want to be wet. Like, that seems like it really, really annoying if I couldn't ever, like, be moist. (laughs) Um, okay. <laughs> you had to phrase it that way though. okay well we're gonna move we, on we just lost like half our listeners um, <laughs> what if i can't ever be moist what if i want to uh and then he starts doing like little fun little experiments uh so he reaches out grabs a piece of garbage because this is like uh is this mississippi river this is mississippi uh because mississippi river if you've ever been there is gross and filthy um he reaches out, grabs a piece of garbage, uh, and then lights it on fire underwater. So it's not just him. Uh, yeah. But they just sense the things he's holding and interacting with that suddenly turn dry magically and then immediately go back to being wet once he puts them down. Once he lets go, yeah. yeah. When he releases the paper, it's, it extinguishes immediately. He can also light things on fire underwater, which is, like, I guess a useful skill. That's, it's cool. It is. Is it, is it? Can it be used for anything realistically? I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure it will be very <laughs> important later in this book. Yeah. Is this a little little foreshadowing? Uh, but anyway, he stands up, looks around, and is just like, well, uh, well, I guess, thanks, Dad. Didn't really expect you to come through. Well, but, uh, he hears a voice that says, what do you say, Percy? Yes. <clears throat> that sounds like exactly like his mother's voice. Yeah. Uh, and then, I guess, really wasn't expecting Poseidon to come through here, but he does. He's alive. Uh, disturbs a big catfish. Yep. When he right. fell. Uh, so once he gets his bearings a little bit, uh, he looks up, sees a boat going overhead, and then hears a voice. That says to take the sword. Take up your sword. Strange lady in the water giving him a sword. Where have I seen this before? Yep. And she is floating over his bronze sword that he sees now. Yeah. So he didn't lose that forever. Uh, and then looks around and sees this ghastly figure, a uh, woman the color of water, which, as we previously described, is like a dirty, gross brown color, I guess. Yeah, because this water is... <laughs> I mean, we also have Percy up to his thighs in mud. Yes. Here at the bottom of the river. So. How do you be in mud and be dry? I don't know. He doesn't have anti Without powers. being buried. That's a great question. That's... That's my question. This book's full of plot holes. Uh, anyway. Uh, and she looks vaguely like his mother. Close enough that he is just like, uh, I think Scooby- Are you my mother? Uh, and she's just like, no. Uh, and I wanted to read this line fully because I think it's interesting. No, child. Only a messenger. Though your mother's fate is not as hopeless as you believe. Go to the beach in Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, so... First time in a while, he gets a little hope. Uh, he gets a positive message for once, which we haven't. <laughs> he hasn't gotten a lot of, uh, and he is led to believe that maybe he can pull this out. Maybe, which didn't surprise me, but I did find that intriguing because, like, we've been going through it with the assumption that based on the prophecy he got, like, there's no way he can actually rescue his mom. Yeah, because he's gonna lose what matters most in the end. Yeah. 
So we we kind of were going with uh, with that assumption, but maybe this is pointing us a different direction. Maybe. Like I I, I don't know if the strange lady in the water is just outright lying to him. Um, this I guess messenger of Poseidon. Like we don't actually know who or what this is or where she's from, but I we assume that she's from his father. Yeah. <laughs> but that is that is an assumption. Yeah. I I mean, what does she say specifically? Uh, she says only a messenger uh, talks about his father's will, where he has to go. He, she can't stay in the water because it's too foul for her presence. Uh, and then says, I cannot stay, etc., etc. So she doesn't actually say who sent her or anything or who yeah. she is. She just says than... that she's a message and gives him a message that is supposedly from his father yeah. to go to Santa Monica. But she doesn't say specifically that that's the thing. Yeah. So we can assume uh, she does point him out the point the sword out to him, which is helpful. Yeah. Uh, and then she starts fading out. Uh, tells him he has to go to Santa Monica. He sees the sword first. Yes. Well, she she tells him to take it, so I guess that's remotely helpful. <laughs> yeah. When the river boat goes by and swirls up the silt, he sees the the gleaming bronze hilt sticking up in the mud of the sword. Then he hears the woman's voice, Percy, take the sword, your father believes in you. And then he realizes that that was coming from somewhere in the water. Uh Uh-huh. He asks, where are you? And then she appears over the sword. Yeah. It's short enough. We could have just read the entire chapter word for word and padded out the episode. Um. (laughs) Um, But the big thing that she says is that she, like, she makes this moment where she, like, reaches out to caress or brush his face. Mm-hmm. And he feels the current caress his face. Yeah. And she says, you must go to Santa Monica. And Percy, do not trust the gifts. What gifts? I put down in my bullet point summary. Yeah. What are we talking about here? And she made him more one more attempt to speak, but the sound was gone. Mm-hmm. This moment will be echoed in the next chapter as well. Where we have somebody about to say something at the end of a communication and it will fade out. Uh-huh. And you won't get that last. I literally just read that chapter and I have no idea what you're talking about. The car wash with Luke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, so I what... feel like that's like a repeated thing that happens a lot in the book. Well, I don't know. I feel like that's not the first time it happens. A lot of dropped calls. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big problem in the early 2000s. Um so what are the gifts? Um, I was thinking about this, and so do we think these are literal gifts as in, like, uh, I don't know, what's he been given? He got a sword from his dad, and he got uh, magic shoes that Luke gave him. Yeah. He hasn't really been giving him anything else. Those are the only gifts that we've, we've really had so far, and I feel like that's, I feel like that has to be the gifts that we're talking about. Or is this a more esoteric, like, don't put trust in like your abilities, like your your gifts, magically speaking. Like they're your water fail wielding you. stuff. Yeah, like don't. I think that it's the. I think it's the sword, and I think it's the shoes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Do you think the sword has got something weird with it? A little bit. I mean, I don't he's trust he's it. he's used it very effectively. Like it hasn't failed him yet. Like he lost it in a river, but. Yeah, I don't it, trust it. <laughs> uh and the shoes, which we talked about the shoes as soon as he got them, because it's just like, oh, hey, he's been giving a thing that makes him fly when he's not supposed to go in the air. Yeah. 
And, like, he didn't trust those in the first place. He gave them to Grover. Yeah. So, like, why would she be talking about that when, like, he's already given the shoes away? Well, Chiron's the only one who knows that. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm assuming Poseidon is watching all this. And he's Poseidon is aware of what's happening if he sends the messenger directly to where he is. So, I don't know. So, I, I, I puzzled over that one for a little bit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the sword and the shoes. I think that's what the gifts are. I don't know. I, yeah, I just I just don't want it to be the sword because like there was so much in the book about Ermagerd. This is a sword that like is perfectly balanced in my hand and it feels right to me and like this uh, et cetera et cetera. You want him called, to have the sword and it's it's called Riptide and he's holding the sword on the cover of the book. Like I feel like this is just a, this is a a thing that he's gonna have. I don't know. You want him to have the sword. It makes sense for him too. It would be it would be weird if somehow the sword betrayed him. I think, but who knows? Okay. And also, if it did, that would point out Chiron as being like the big bad in this, and I don't want him to be. Like he might be. We've discussed this, but yeah, we'll see what happens. There's there's some interesting speculation that we can get into in the next chapter about uh, who's deceiving who here. Whom? <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but not in this one. Anyway, so she disappears. He grabs the sword, swims to the surface, comes up to a shore next to a floating McDonald's. And I was intrigued by this, so I looked it up on the interwebs. There is one. Uh, yeah, you looked it's this currently, up too. Uh, no, I did not. I actually watched a YouTube video <laughs> about this about six weeks ago. Okay. Um, and it, I think it's currently in, like, Michigan, somewhere much further north right now. Yeah, well. Um, it's been decommissioned, and it's still, the boat still exists, though. Uh, the article I read about this said that, yes, uh, of the two floating McDonald's that ever existed in the world, the first one was in St. Louis. Uh-huh. Because, so, since since this is a short episode, I'm padding this out with filler information. Uh, so, I guess, originally, McDonald's wanted to put a restaurant directly uh, in the museum underneath the St. Louis Arch. And the good people of Missouri, bless them, were just like, you're idiots. No, we're not going to turn our national monument into a McDonald's. Uh-huh. And so they were like, well, we're going to put it on a barge just south of the, of the arch on a river. And so they did that, and it was open for a few years uh, and closed in 2000. So if this book is uh, current to the publication date of 2005, it would have been closed five years before the events of, uh, of this story. Interesting. But, I mean, closed or not, is, the, is, the, is it an abandoned McDonald's? Uh, possibly. Okay. Uh, so there you go. There's the story. And, and the other one was built for some kind of expo in Canada. Yeah. So glad we've, we've done our research on uh, McDonald's boats throughout the world. <laughs> now I, I do bet there's probably one on a cruise ship somewhere. Like it's not like just a McDonald's, but there probably is another one out on the high seas. Yeah, probably. In the world. Um, anyway, so he comes up, sees this scene of... Every emergency vehicle in St. Louis, like police helicopters, there's news crews, there's a whole big deal. And yet, like, how long was he under the water? Long enough to have a conversation. Like, yeah. I would say, like... Long enough to have a conversation. He wasn't down there for hours. Like, like the first the first emergency responders should be pulling up right now. Yeah. Maybe one single news van has gotten there this fast. Unless he was, like, knocked out for a few hours and then just comes to, but... But he can't be because they still make the train, and the train's layover is only one hour. Yeah. So they had enough time to walk to the arch, go up the arch, get kicked out of the arch, and then jump out of the arch. 
Yeah. And then still get back to the train in under an hour because they get back to the train at the end of this chapter right as it's getting ready to depart. Yeah. So how did they get there that fast? I don't know. I mean, everybody was jumpy back then. This is like 2004, 2005. Everybody was still uh, kind of on edge after 9-11. Yeah. And so any any things that seemed like terrorist attacks were probably responded to with overwhelming uh, force. Yeah, 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 9-11. I guess. Uh, no, you do. That's a good ha- segue. You're, you're right. We do have to contextualize, like the writing of this, the publication of this was within five years of of nine eleven. So there's even. I mean, in, I, I, it's just yeah. There is a line that it wasn't. Uh, it was assumed not to be an act of terror. Uh-huh. That said, regardless, the news crews should not have access to the security footage. Within 15 minutes. At, of getting at right. all. Uh-huh. At all. For at least a day. Yeah. After this. Because there would be an investigation. Because it would be treated like it was a terrorist attack. Yeah. We're also not really going for realism in this book. I know. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it was, it's, it really broke it for me a little bit. Like it really broke. That's, that's where Kristen's suspension of disbelief just yep. fell apart. Yep. That's it. <laughs> I can totally suspend my disbelief about surviving a fallout of the side of the arch and landing in the river and being dry in the river and lighting papers on fire. I cannot (laughs) suspend my disbelief that when you crawl out next to the floating McDonald's, that that the news crews are already there putting your face out into the world as a suspect. When there's footage of you falling out of the building. Into the river. I mean, not clear enough footage to for anybody to identify him. And just there's a it body It is flying. because they put his face on no. the news by the end of the chapter. I thought I thought that was from, like, the cameras inside the, the arch. Well, yeah, that's know. what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. There are cameras inside the arch, and he fell out of the hole there. Yeah. Well, he, he that was, uh, you know, he just wanted to blow up do, the arch and get do away. Do cameras just not pick up, like... So is this, is this, uh... Because we had it described that the sword was a blur when he came out of the bus. Yeah. That he's carrying something. Yeah. That's a blur. And then we have video footage of him in the arch and some kind of blast of fire blowing a hole through the side. But we don't have Echidna and we don't have the Chimera. Like, everybody who was up there saw it. The woman saw it. She said the Chihuahua, the dog, blah, blah, you know, like. Is this Dresden technology rules? I don't or know. Like, <laughs> like that's that's my question. Like, how do they how do they look at the camera footage of him blasting a hole? You know, of him being on the receiving end of a hole getting blasted into the side of the building, and assume that he is a perpetrator in this? Because he's an idiot. I don't know. Um, but he's he's walking through the crowd. He's this. Uh, little... I'm saying because the the the. No, I mean, they're assuming maybe he's, I don't know, he's a dumb kid. Didn't think his plan through. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so he walks out of the river. He gets seen by a little kid uh, coming out of the river completely dry, and never, nobody cares because yep. nobody listens to children. Well, also, <laughs> they're dealing with a potential terrorist attack. They yeah. just watched a hole get blown in the side of the arch. Like, Yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody was looking at who was, you know... 
who was walking dry out of the river or the fountain as planes are going into a building, you know? Uh, very true. Uh, so Percy gets very concerned as he's, like, hearing all the chatter about it, and, like, uh, they're talking about survivors, and he's just like, cool, hopefully somebody actually made it out of there. Yeah, because like there that, were, what, four people up there? That... The Granger, and there's the family and everything that he yeah. was trying to protect. but how many people were in that family? Was it four? Was it three? Anyway, whatever. I, I don't know. So there's four or five people up there, and they're talking about survivors, so he feels very happy to hear that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he runs into Annabeth and Grover in the crowd. Yep. They reunite. Uh, he's been gone for five whole minutes. I think I think Annabeth is almost being literal here when she's just like, we can't leave you alone for five minutes. What yeah. happened? It's like, that's pretty much what you yep, did. That he was... is about it. <laughs> that is about how much time this took. <laughs> uh, and they seem surprised that he uh i don't know necessarily survived but like jumped out of the arch in the first place as a well they don't necessarily know that he did that does he tell them right away uh i mean yes uh he tells them right away after there's the scene of the lady uh being wheeled out on the stretcher talking about a fire breathing chihuahua yeah so you know which is exactly what it was yes exactly she she saw it pretty much uh pretty much spot on and she's telling them pretty much spot on yep and nobody's gonna believe her that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, and then... do Yeah, he says, I told him the whole story of the Chimera kid and everything as they're wandering out, and they're just like, yep, we gotta we gotta get the heck out of here because he hears his name on a report. Yep. Because somebody's just like, uh, it seems like Percy Jackson, this kid who's wanted in New York because of the connection with his mom's disappearance. Seems like he's here blowing up national monuments. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally... <sighs> What, what is his M.O.? What is, what's he trying to do? Such a logical leap here. <laughs> uh, and now he is a wanted fugitive, uh, and they are going to duck out. They get back on the train, and then they head out. Yep. Head to Denver. Cool. Uh, that's the chapter. Yep. Is there anything we didn't cover in there? I'm sure there is. <laughs> There's one line that's the key to this entire thing. Um, no, I really don't think that we missed anything. Yeah. So he's created a national incident now. He's going to be all of the news uh, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So getting, uh, getting anywhere without being noticed is going to be a lot harder. Indeed. He does have access to an invisibility cap, so, you know, there's that. Don't know if it works for him or not. But, uh... Why would it not work for him? I don't know if it's... Maybe Annabeth's attuned to it. <laughs> his his alignment's all wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, cool. That's a chapter. Yeah. So, what do we think that this messenger was like? Is she a nymph? Is she so like because he thinks that she looks like his mother? Yeah, but she's not. Yeah, but like, is there some kind of like? I don't know in in actual like in this specific this is Greek right yes. in Greek mythology is there some kind of like siren and is this some kind of siren messenger because she's appearing like something that he wants uh, there are sirens sure I don't know if they are connected with messengers or the gods or anything but I mean she didn't seem uh, malicious so yeah. I'm just trying to figure out because, like, 
what she is. What like what she is specifically. What what kind of messenger this is. Yeah. And I just I don't know enough about the mythology in general to like figure out whether or not this is some kind of like MO of a different god or something. Or if this is some kind of like deceptive being. Because we had these questions about Echidna's intentions mm-hmm. in testing Percy because she specifically like prompts him to do things like the water could protect you, couldn't it? Uh-huh. You know, like and and tests him and pushes him to things like jumping into the river. Yeah. And these are a place that he would be safe. Uh-huh. Like she very specifically points out the safe place he can go and he jumps for it and he makes it. Yeah. Like is this some kind of trickstery thing that might be working for his father, might be working for somebody like I don't know. <laughs> um I don't know. Like I said, like, I, I don't think there's enough there to go off of. Like, it doesn't seem like she's uh, being malicious. It doesn't seem like she's trying to be deceptive unless, like, there's a trap waiting for him in Santa Monica. Like. Yeah. There's 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 nothing that you can really pick up any ill intentions there from. So, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's very fair. <laughs> yeah. So. I think she's just a messenger. We don't have to read more into it than that. Yeah. Sometimes the curtains are just blue. Okay. Um, <laughs> But whose color is blue? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, also, she has green eyes, so, you know, green associated with Poseidon. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. That's true. She does have green eyes. Uh, so what's your favorite sentence, Kristen? All right. Well, I had three different ones that I marked uh, in case I was stealing your sentence. So yeah. you can go ahead and do your sentence first. All right. Uh... Mine was my favorite sentence just because, like, a, uh, I don't know, kind of a not distressing kind of way. What a, I'm looking for an emotion here where it's not like, hey, this is this is just kind of underwhelming and it's uh, how mundane it is. Mm-hmm. Kind of that, that kind of emotion. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but my sentence is, before you descend into the underworld, you must go to Santa Monica. Just like the anticlimactic. Yeah. It's like, here's all this high tension, but before you go do this thing. Yeah. Go to Santa Monica. Which, which I guess is more amusing as a person who's been to Santa Monica. Just like <laughs> if somebody's just like, oh no, before you die, you have to go to Santa Monica. It's like, okay. It's that like, wouldn't, wouldn't be in my top 50 places in the world yeah. that I'd want to uh, no, not so much. go to. Definitely not so much. Uh-huh. It's got all a right. cool pier. Yeah, it does. <laughs> which I've never been on. I've walked by it. Several times. Yeah. Never actually gone to the pier. Yeah, it is. It's a pier. <laughs> but there's rides on it. But you have to pay to go on them. <laughs> All right. Um, so here's mine. Uh-huh. A catfish the size of my stepfather lurched away into the gloom. <laughs> it's just, yep. I think that it's funny because we've had so many, like, associations with uh, Gabe yeah. That are all like super negative, and this is one that's just like this catfish just a, wandered off into the gloom. Big, uh, he's got a poker game to get to. Yep, with the building super. Nice. All right, shall we move on to our final segment? Absolutely, let's do it. All right, what do we do in our final segment, Kristen? In our final segment, we uh, read the 
rewrites that we created. So after we read the chapters, we, Chris and I, both rewrote the chapter from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So for both of us, we wrote from the catfish. We we did. Yep, I <laughs> guessed it. I mean, there's a. Uh... No, I mean, you could, there were a few in this chapter. We could have written from the little girl that saw him come out of the river, uh, could have been a news reporter. Like, there were there were several different perspectives we could have gone with. Yep, we but we both we both did the catfish, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. Yep. Uh, so which one of our catfish rewrites would, uh, should we read first? Um, why don't you read yours first? All right. Uh, this is a conversation between catfish. Okay. Let me see if I can get my accent right that I picked for this one. So, like I said to all five whiskers here earlier, it was yesterday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> whiskers. Sorry. All right. Go ahead. Like I said to all five whiskers here earlier, it was yesterday. Craziest thing. This human just falls out of nowhere, practically on top of me. Well, like from a boat? No boats. No nothing. Out of thin air. So here it is. I'm trying to figure out if it's small enough to eat it in one go, and then I notice it. The human isn't freaking out. He's not panicking. They usually drown. I know they usually drown. I'm not some fry anymore. Pay attention. Anyway, then it stands there, breathing just as easily as we do, and then starts taking my lunch leftovers. The nerve, right? And just as... What was it? What? Your lunch, what What was it? Half-eaten double cheeseburger, but again, not important. What's important is what happens next. This other human shows up, right in the middle of the river. Though it was weird, like almost see-through. And then she starts to talk. To me, imperfect catfish. And while I always imagined I was destined for greatness, what she told me blows everything else out of the water. Strap in, fellas. <laughs> so, there you go. I love that. Uh, so in my personal headcanon, there is now a large catfish that believes that he's destined to go to Santa Monica on some great quest. <laughs> uh, he's just out there floating around like he's gonna, he's gonna show up again. You should so. give him a name <laughs> and we should just like keep referencing back and being like... <sighs> We should. All right, tell us, tell us where the catfish is. I believe I found the tumness of this book. We could have a little segment <laughs> that is just like check in with the catfish, see we where could. he's at now. Man, that's a great segment for the next book. Well, I'm going to write that down. All right, what is your catfish story? Well, <laughs> all right, here is mine. Bottom feeders, they call us, but we <laughs> we aren't the ones throwing plastic bags and food wrappers, and even today a sword. Into the river. We're just trying to live here. Do you think they care? No. They have made the water so disgusting, even they won't touch it on purpose. Ah! Go. Well, now that's interesting. The river can't even touch this human. He must be extra gross. The river doesn't even want to touch him. And he's in the mud. Scared me half to death. Oh, oh! he's collecting trash out of my home. Maybe the humans... Wait, wait. Oh, jeez, it's just the gods again. Sending messengers to... Heroes? 
Well, this is getting out of hand. I'm leaving. Like your uh, righteously indignant dad did. <laughs> yep. Cool. There I was, just sitting in my kitchen, eating my dinner. <laughs> there you go. So that is my catfish. Cool. Should we check in with yours? So we have two catfish that we... Uh... <laughs> no, mine's not going on a quest. Mine okay. hasn't been sent on a quest by a, by a righteous messenger of the gods. Uh-huh. All right. Cool. Well... Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter 14 of The Lightning Thief. Join us next time when we discuss chapter 15, A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. How nice of them. I know, right? <laughs> Buys is such an interesting choice of word on that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, I cannot end this episode without pointing out that the word that I forgot last week was impertinent. Um... <laughs> That's also in my notes. My notes for the next episode always have, like, my scribbles from while I was editing the previous episode. Uh Like, what I forgot. Like, as I was editing that one and I was, like, insolent, I was like... Impertinent. Impertinent! That's the one. That's the word. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to interact with us before the next episode, you can do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can... Email us your fan art of a disgruntled cattle cattlefish. A cattlefish. (laughs) Or you can email us your fan art of a disgruntled catfish, or perhaps one inspired to go on a quest, at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, if you find yourself dry in the water, don't light things on fire, you probably have an oxygen mask on. And if you do find yourself in the Mississippi, pick up a few pieces of trash while you're in there. Indeed. Bye. Bye. Out of character? Yep. Got that? Uh. Turn pages. Okay. Noisy page turning. In our final segment. This also might be the shortest chapter in the book and the noisiest dog. I am a sleepy catfish on the bottom of the river. You're gonna take that one. Oh, of all the I characters, of all the characters in this book, um, I'm the confused bystander, also known as Kristen, oh. and this is my co-host. Forgot how we do this. Go ahead and do your intro again. <laughs> I'm a confused bystander, also known as Chris. Hello, confused bystander, Chris. See, I was playing the character. I was being confused there. And <laughs> <laughs> shock. Um, hi. See, when you reference back to something that's going to be edited out, then I have to edit this part out too. 
Yeah, but then you can put the edited out part in the bloopers and like it could be a whole like loop yes, uh, thing. But if we're talking about <laughs> it now. Yeah. Email us your fan art of a disgruntled cattle cat, cat cattlefish. A cattlefish. 